I am tired, but Rainin, <laughs> thank you for uh, let me check out Salami Studios so we can start just talking about whatever it is that we're going to talk about. I mean, sure, we're going to be talking about midterms. Yeah, I mean, uh... but we're not just stopping there. Uh, as an Arizona native, tell me about what was on your ballot. Well, let me look up a photo of. Uh, <laughs> Did you already forget? Let me. Okay, let me explain. I live in California, of course, but I did not register to vote in California. Right. I was still registered in uh, Arizona, in Yavapai County, actually, because mm-hmm. I'm from Prescott. Yeah. So uh, I got my ballot a few months ago. Um. And I didn't fill it out because I thought I'd do a bit of research first before, you know, I turn it in, you know. Um, you know, I don't want to do it too early. I'm not one of those people who just kind of picks their party and votes for that, although I guess that's basically what we all did. But I, I figured <laughs> I, should, I should do a bit of research first because there's a lot of other issues there I didn't know about. Right, yeah. Um, anyway, I was in Arizona a couple weekends ago. And I had my ballot with me in my car. It had been in my car for a while. So I took it out. I thought, all right, you know, I'll fill it out while I'm here. It turns out it was only for one issue, some Yavapai tax thing. The rest of the ballot wasn't in there. None of the senators, you know, or other issues in the state weren't on there. All right, sounds good. So uh, I called or I texted my grandma and said, hey, can you uh, look around and see if you can find my ballot? And sure enough, uh, yes, she did. She found it. She texted me photos of what was on there, and then I said, "All right, thank you. I'll uh, decide what I want, and then have you kind of fill it out for me." And my plan was to uh, get my brother, who's two weeks away from being eighteen, so he can't vote himself. I was gonna have him just fill it in for you. Fill it in for me, <laughs> um, like you know, right, like right. that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I mean, I can't. We're recording. I can't say anything. You know. I mean. He can't vote. It's not like I was doubling my votes or anything. So he wasn't able to vote. So if anything, and you know, it's like if he can't vote, you know, it's not voter fraud or anything like that. That's still what I'm choosing to vote on. You know, you're just just instructing him to fill that out. Yeah, it's still one vote for one person. You know, I'm still getting that one vote out there. But you know, I didn't. No, I didn't do any. Doesn't matter. Um. Anyway, so yeah. I said I'd have him do it, and then um, there's only a few days left, and I decided, you know what? I don't live in Yavapai County anymore, and if I did move back to Arizona, I certainly wouldn't live in Prescott. So I said, you know what, Jaden, that's my brother's name. You can just uh, pick what you want on everything else. You can pick what you want. Because he was, he's young, you know, and being two weeks two weeks away from being 18 and not being able to vote in one of the most influential elections, you know, maybe of his, his lifetime or, you know, most important, I figured, uh, yeah, it'd be good for him to kind of get the chance to practice that democracy and not have to wait another two years. So right. I let him pick that stuff because that stuff doesn't affect me. But right, it'll, right. it'll affect him. So I let him pick that, and then I kind of just picked uh, U.S. Senator and U.S. Representative in Congress for District 4. Who are your picks? Um, for senator, and did you know who won? Um, I haven't checked the finished results yet. Last time I saw it was uh, not quite done, so I was, you know, kind of holding 
hopes out a little bit. Who are the candidates? For U.S. Senator, for the Republican, it was Martha McSally. For Democrat, it was Kristen Sinema. I've never heard of either of those. Yeah. Uh, Green or Angela Green for the Green Party. Wow, Perfect. that's super convenient, Yeah. even though she's probably not going to win. I'm going to check the Arizona oh, no. state race right now. For U.S. Representative in Congress, it was Paul Gosar for Republican, David Brill for Democrat, and Harayakasha Gregor Nara for Green Party. Of course. I, I'd, seen, I'd seen posters of Paul Gosar before, but I hadn't heard of either of these two senators before this election, although it is nice that I guess on both of these – the. For the or for the U.S. senator, uh, they're all women. So either mm-hmm. way, you're getting a woman candidate, which is nice. And I guess the others are all male. So I don't know if I should be surprised by how incredibly close uh, the Senate race is, um, but I know that uh, Arizona is generally a deep red. Is it deep red? What'd you say? Lean red. Yeah. Arizona is more diverse than people realize, but it's also still a very white state. Yeah. So... No, I'm just um, looking at a lot the, of those pockets. I'm just looking at uh, it, they're one point away from each other. Uh, Martha leads by about uh, fifty. No, not no, not fifty. She leads about by seventeen thousand votes. Holy fuck! Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Is it has it finished updating? It, it's it's ninety nine percent reporting. I'm pretty sure you guys are done. Wow. No, yeah. no kidding. Forty nine point four percent and forty eight point four percent. Yeah, these races are, in, are incredibly close, man. That's that's why I wanted to vote in Arizona because I figured my vote would matter more there than in uh, California. I mean, dude, if you're ever trying to change anything in California, you, you, you be, your best shot at really. Uh, doing any of that is if you're voting for a candidate in a district uh, that that swings red or blue. Because, yeah. I mean, statewide elections, we're, we're always picking blue. We're picking blue every time. Um, I mean, uh, that's why I find, uh, in, I find it interesting to look at uh, deep red states and where their Senate races are heading because uh, I didn't even realize how close the Arizona race was, but even especially mm-hmm. like we're – the entire nation was looking at Texas. Um, you know, Beta was down by uh, two points, uh, but I hear a lot of people just harping away at the fact that he raised nearly seventy million dollars and still lost. Um, both talking points, to both sides are uh, either impressed or not so impressed. But yeah, yeah. So I'm 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 generally kind of just uh, wondering where deep red states are headed. Uh, over the next like two decades, but uh, these midterms, you talk about how they're the most important in our lifetime. I think we're probably going to say that for the next several midterms. <laughs> I think I anticipate twenty twenty two to also have the same uh, level of, oh, this this midterm is going to be uh, the most important because we're going to see Donald Trump just winning reelection in twenty twenty. I mean, mm. I mean, what do you you have a take on that? I have no faith in Americans. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not have faith just in the short term is probably not going to happen. I mean, who, the, who, 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 I always have this conversation with everybody. Uh, who are the Democrats going to run? Bernie Sanders. Mm-mm, I hope not. I don't, I think <sighs> mm-hmm. if the Democrats are smart, they'll run with someone new. I know a lot of people are pining for Kamala Harris. Um, not a smart move. Why? I, uh, she's not going to win. She's too. She's too deep. 
in bed with uh, the establishment. Hmm. She's not going to win. Compared to, like, Hillary Clinton? Not compared to Hillary Clinton. Hillary is just... Is like she is basically Kamala is just asking Hillary, not like asking, oh, yeah. but you know she's she's a couple of she's a couple of rungs down uh, compared to Hillary. But I don't tr- I'm not sure that I would trust Kamala. I'm not entirely sure that I would trust like other names tossed out like thinks, Cory right? Booker either. Oh, yeah, no. uh, Joe Biden I think is also considering a run, but that dude is also really old, seventy six. Yeah. I mean, or something yeah, like Trump's that. like 70, what, two now? 72? Uh, yeah. Hillary but, Clinton's like 72. Yeah. So, 79. I mean, it's, it's whoever, like, we, we got a bunch of old people, old folks in office, man. But uh, it's just the the Dems don't have anybody that they could run. I mean, yeah, John McCain died. Well, he's not dem- Democratic. <laughs> no, but I mean, he's, yeah. old, he's old. It's the first time I'd. I think he died at eight. No, he was 70 something. Wait. <laughs> When did John McCain, how old was he when he ran for president? Um, 60, yeah. no, 72. He was 72. Yeah, he died at what 82. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, um, John McCain, John McCain was um, 82 when he passed. Uh, uh, you know, if Bernie ran, you'd get one term based on when <laughs> John I mean, McCain passed. Yeah, there's a lot of because I mean Obama was notoriously young for a president. Mm-hmm. You know we hadn't really had a president that young or seemingly young. It doesn't matter how old we got he JFK, is. who's a little bit younger. But yeah, I get your point. JFK, second, yeah. I think the second youngest elected. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I think he was. And even then, like outside of politics, we'd still consider him old. You know. Well, he's not sixty yet, so. Yeah, I mean he's not old, but he'd be in. When you're 20, anyone over 30 is old to you. So, yeah, I think that story is going to start changing though later on. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think that. Uh, I personally don't think 30 or four, even 40s, is particularly that old. Um, no. But in politics, uh, there's a huge. Em- I think they're going to start. I think there's going to be a huge like emphasis against age, especially if oh, like yeah. you're looking at people that are over 70. Um, but uh, I, I'm. I'm just thinking 2020 is a foregone conclusion that uh, the Republicans are going to win again. <laughs> so aside from that, man, yeah. um, I don't, I don't really know where, where else we can look at um, going forward. I know that 2018 was an interesting election cycle because a lot of, a lot, at least my narrative is that a lot of Democrats who shouldn't have had a close race had their close races yeah you know there's a lot that there's a lot of uh signs definitely pointing at the you know political divide in our country and how deep and how close it is there's a lot more people caring about politics than in the past you look back at the 2012 election and the opinion for a lot of people is both of these candidates suck we don't really care for Obama. We don't really care for Romney. We're going to pick the lesser of two evils. And, you know, depending upon what, you know, you believed was evil, you'd pick that candidate. But neither party was particularly happy mm-hmm. with their choice. Um, but this election, yeah, there were a lot of Democratic, you know, blue states that were surprisingly red. 
and a lot of traditionally red districts that were surprisingly blue. So it was a very, very close race, which is kind of frustrating for me because I think it's, if a state's that close, I don't think you should decide whoever has, if, if it's if it's between like 2%, I don't think you should pick the candidate that has the majority. I think you should, you know, revote or recount or something. But I if, think I think there's a law and I, I don't know if it's, I can't remember if it's Georgia or if it was another state that had it. Um, no, wait, it might have been Georgia, where you have a runoff if neither candidate hits 50% of the vote. Yeah, and there were, uh, there's one election too, I know where both candidates got about 49%. There were, it was like a 300 point difference. And that in itself, at least in my eyes, is almost unprecedented. It you happened. Know, there was one that happened recently in Texas uh, as a 23rd con- congressional district. I don't know if you've uh, heard about it. Prob- I would guess you might not have, um, but it's uh, Will Hurd versus Gina Ortiz-Jones, I believe. Hmm. Um, and they called... You can, Texas. You, I don't know none of this shit. You, you, can, you can take a look at it. Um, Will Hurd, uh, and then it'll show it'll pop up the results. But basically... I think the race was so close to called that Will Hurd was projected to win but only had less than a 1,000 vote lead oh. with 87% uh, reporting. And then uh, Gina ended up taking over and had uh, like a 200, 300 vote lead um, while he was still declared the winner. And then now he took the lead over again. So I don't know how they're going to be handling or settling that. I don't think they assume office until January, so they still have enough time to do a recount. It looks like 100% is recording, and Will Hurd won with a little over a thousand more votes. That's what it's. That's what I last saw as well. Yeah, see that. That's what I mean. That level of tightness, you know, in the race all over the country, because mm-hmm. usually everything's pretty straightforward. There are swing states, but this midterm election felt like. Nearly every state was a swing state. You know, there there are the few, you know, like, uh, you know, states that are definitely, you know, unswingable. But there was a lot of, yeah, upturning. Well, like, definitely California was deep blue. New York was deep blue for sure. Um, I have such a huge bias on the left that I didn't take note of any, like, red states that would have kept themselves deep red. Um, I, haven't, I haven't taken notice of that at all uh, because... Um, it, what what states would have been red? Wisconsin? <laughs> I, I mean, I, uh, I, I actually don't really know. Um, I just know that, uh, like, probably West Virginia. No, West Virginia didn't. Uh, West Virginia. West did, Virginia was Democrat. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I know. As I was thinking because they they are generally deep red, but then uh, Joe Manchin, uh, he's like a what do you call it? Blue dog, Democrat. I think yeah. that's the term. Where it, he he's he is still generally a Democrat, but happens to lean more Republican than most Democrats would. Yeah, I and, feel like that was there were a lot of candidates, you know, shooting from the angle. There were a lot a lot of yeah. uh, you know people on the Democratic or Republican side trying to win over a lot of voters because there were a lot of people on both sides really that. Uh, are dissatisfied and wanting an alternative to their party without an alternative to their positions. Right. But they can't, you know, the thing is you can't really be shooting from that angle because you lose your base. 
if you do. You lose your base if you are trying, if you're, if you're a Democrat, you, you lose your base if you try to go more towards the center. You do, but I still think a lot of it harkens back to that lesser of two evil things. If, if, you're, a, if you're a Democrat and you're faced with a Republican or a Democrat, you're still going to choose the Democrat. It doesn't matter yeah, of course. how shitty you, they are. I mean, you may... Uh, That's not what happened in the 2016 election, though. <laughs> you know how many people voted, were two-time yeah. Obama voters and, still, and then went for yeah. Trump? Um, it's ridiculous because... You know, yeah, Hillary w- Hillary didn't give uh, a lot of voters something to be excited to vote for. No. That, that was the issue. That's why I say that it doesn't work every time that there's some uh, longtime Democrats who decided then to vote Republican and may be on the Republican train for a while. Yeah, Donald Trump was definitely the protest vote. And I think even still, Hillary hasn't really taken accountability for mm-mm, her mm-mm, actions. Mm-mm. And if she runs again... She will be the reason, and really the only reason, besides, you know, America and our voters, that Donald Trump will win. And honestly, the the amount of arrogance it would take to run again against Donald Trump and think you have a chance would... What do you think the chances of her running again is going to be? I mean, the chance she's going to want to run again... Mm-hmm. I'm hoping the Democratic Party will recognize their mistakes, recognize her mistakes. The people who are voting, I can't imagine them wanting to vote for her again. I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, of course, you know, in this Trump administration, you know, would have much rather preferred Hillary to win, you know, are pissed at, you know, the swing voters for choosing Donald Trump. But, I mean, in a sense, like, Part of what they're saying is right, and they're justified in feeling that, but they still fail to see why Hillary Clinton wasn't an appealing candidate. You mm-hmm. know, they say, they see, oh, Hillary Clinton is obviously better than Donald Trump, but Hillary Clinton is the reason Donald Trump won the Republican primary. Her, you know, uh, campaign was pying hard to get him to win the nomination because they thought he would be an easy win. And that kind of Hillary Clinton walked up to uh, you know the the election you know as if as if she earned it as if not as she, as if she as if it was her birthright as, as if, if it's her were, turn to be president yeah basically yeah there's that kind of entitlement that turned off a lot of American voters a lot of Democrats were like all right yeah I guess we'll vote for Hillary Clinton you know um, I mean she definitely not not to say she didn't have you know excited fans she definitely did but for a lot of the rest of america they were kind of tired of her they didn't really want to see her step up it felt like she would have repeated a lot of the mistakes obama made and to a higher extent because she has you know a longer history in politics and you know more ties with that and yeah people didn't like that entitlement that arrogance you know everyone was like expecting her to rig the election and you know pull off a win you know right some people are even mad that she didn't rig the election more and I, I think if anything trump winning proved that our election system isn't fake it's not completely rigged some no, people some people don't vote because they think their vote doesn't matter like it's all a fraud but if if voting wasn't real 
America would crumble if if we found out like that's what holds our country together. That's what makes us, you know, a, a democratic republic is that we can vote. If our votes didn't matter in the slightest, we wouldn't have an absolute say and we'd basically be an oligarchy, right. which in a sense we are, you know, because corporations, you know, buy off, or, you know, politicians and all that. But we at least have some sort of say, some deciding factor in who uh, gets to be in that position of power. And I think the voting system isn't like WWE. It's not fake. It's not just for show, but it is like boxing where there are people, you know, pulling the strings, trying to get their person to win. Right. But the voting is still real. It's still a game. You may cheat at the game, but the results of the game matter and the mechanics of the game still exist on their own and aren't controlled or manipulated directly by anyone, even if you have someone trying to, you know, skew the results in their favor. Right. I'm curious to know then um, how, because we were talking, you mentioned like, you know, buying out politician, uh, buying out politicians, how soon or how much later do you think it will be? um, So first of all, I think a lot of, a lot of, uh, Americans can agree that having money in politics is not a great idea. I mean, not having any corporate PAC money go to any donors. I mean, from donors to uh, to the candidates is necessarily a good idea. Um, I was actually um, I was actually having a Facebook exchange uh, earlier today, and was and I mentioned that Beto didn't take any corporate money. I should have refined that into corporate PAC money because he typically, I mean, not typically, he he um, technically did take corporate money from like AT&T and Google, <laughs> but um, the the money raised was not from the PAC or the corporation itself. It was actually from individuals who represented that corporation throwing in that money. So basically it was like employees. Uh, and then that number total was then represented as one number, one figure from that company. But um, back to the question, it's generally how much do you, th- uh, how long do you think it will be before we see um, corporate PAC money just completely eliminated or will it ever be completely eliminated? We have to overturn Citizens United. I don't know if you know that court case. I think when, I think PACs will disappear when America disappears. Okay. As long as there is positions of power and influence, there will be people trying to pay for that influence, pay for that power. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing, I, we can't get rid of PACs, but we can get rid of corrupt, corrupt politicians mm-hmm. and people that are willing to take that money. Um, but money and power kind of corrupt all, so it is, it's, a, it's tricky well, to get someone who's not going to accept that money. Well... I think it seems like that now because we've been living with it for so long, right? Um, it just get it just becomes interesting when you think about there's this uptick of politicians, whether that's from the left or the right. There are some there are some people you know who are uh, conservative who also run on the principle of not accepting any corporate do- uh, corporate donations, right? Corporate PAC money. Um, so I think when you see that there's a trend of more and more candidates deciding to only go through get grassroots funding, that's when you see that really this is actually the marketplace of ideas that are being, you know, it's battling against each other. It's not 
it's not per se that it's the candidate versus the candidate. It is the ideas that the candidate represents, you know, Mm -hmm. um, versus. And that's where I think you're in the most ideal place. It's where it's just a battle of ideas rather than a battle of two candidates against each other. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that's the place that politics needs to be at because that's where you can have the most productive because if one idea generally actually does not work in practice or is logically fought out and and maybe the alternative or the opposing argument is better that's when the candidate who holds these certain values then adjusts and agrees with that other candidate Mm. Um, i'm just looking at it in such an idealistic perspective because um, we're always looking at the jockey, but we're not looking at the, you know, we're all, yeah, we're not looking at the, the, um, the ideas um, or not. But a lot of people generally are betting on the candidate, but not their not their proposals. Mm. Right. Which is why um, I just think that it's really interesting for some people who um, who support Trump or who support Obama because it's Obama or because it's Trump, you know, but it's not that they're not necessarily um, still backing that that candidate for the ideas that they represent. It's like, you know, people don't know that Obama still got us into seven different interventions or people don't realize how what the implications of Trump owning hotels in Saudi Arabia is. And they go with the jockey because that's where they feel most comfortable with. Um, so I think that that's really the shift that needs to happen. Um, and there needs to, uh, people need to be called out on that. And as long, and if you're honest and say you agree with, you know, the candidate for what they do, because you agree with that, that specific policy or that specific action, um, I'll disagree with you, but I, you know, honesty is always important to have. Um, so I don't know. That's kind of my take on, um, you know, ha- having, you know, money out of politics and then it's just grassroots funding. So it's a marketplace of ideas. Yeah, I think you see a lot of in the past couple of years, a lot of clashing between those two ideals for, for a lot of people in the middle. They couldn't understand the part of America that idolizes Trump in their eyes. Everyone who voted for Trump did so. For more for what he stood for or didn't stand for, rather, rather than who he is. But there is a surprising part of the population that is, for whatever un- reason, unable to accurately view Trump for who he is as a person. They have a very, you know, ideal and, you know, polished version of him in their minds that they're sold, that they... Uh, believe in that doesn't you know line up with reality and in a way they don't really care as much his specific his policies and what he does as much as who he is and what he stands for um and in a way too that's kind of why people didn't want to vote for hillary clinton even if they agreed with what she stood for and her positions they uh didn't like her as a person and they didn't trust her character and I think for Congress, issues are more important than who the person is. I mean, you want to have faith that someone won't be swayed, that someone will stand up for their positions and won't take money from other people. But 
at the same time, those are the policymakers. They're what decide, you know, the fate of the country together, while the president's job isn't really to do that. I mean, the, the president is the face of the country, the head of the military and, and foreign affairs and, and all that. And I feel like a lot of Americans put too much responsibility on the president. That's the only election a lot of people really pay attention to when the president shouldn't have that much power. And a lot of the power he does have is, is cultural in that fact. So, I mean, I think in a way like Obama, even if a lot of his policies, his foreign policies, did a lot of harm to other parts of America, I think culturally what he stood for and what it meant to have, you know, the first black president. And he understood, you know, the the role he was in. And he, at least, you know, you know, in, in appearances and, you know, as a person was very particular in, to avoid any scandals. He was very conscious of what he said, knowing he's going to be under harsher lights. And he definitely was, as a person, a role model um, for what, you know, a good person should be and, a, you know, an excellent, you know, uh, you know, black role model in position of power. But he still was a politician. He still, you know did the same stuff, you know, any liberal or whatever in his position would have done, um, you know, you know, to an, an extent, you know, as as anyone would, you know, maybe probably not as far as, you know, Hillary Clinton or people like that would have done, but he still made those decisions that people didn't like, those decisions that even though it's a president's responsibility to make, they still have a lot of influence and a lot of people egging them on to make those decisions, right, um, right. which people were hoping he didn't do. But at the end of the day, he's still a politician. And I think what a lot of people on the right don't get is that Obama's significance was that as a, a cultural icon almost. His, his image meant more than what he did. I mean, he still, you know, he still did made important decisions as a president, but a lot of that, a lot of the disagreement with Obama was a lot of that just an image. You had a lot mm-hmm. of people, even now, who hate any, if it has Obama's name on it, they hate it. It doesn't matter what it is, even if it's net neutrality, which is a bipartisan issue, because a lot of people campaigning against it, you know, call it an Obama era policy. It doesn't matter if the Republicans put it in place. If it's an Obama era policy, Republicans nowadays, Republican voters, aren't going to like it. doesn't matter what it is. You just tell them it has Obama's name on it and they don't like it. While a lot of Democrats, you know, do like Obama, especially, you know, in retrospect, you know, he uh, his approval ratings, you know, couldn't have done better, you know, given the context of right. this. He, he, he definitely got lucky in that sense because his follow-up was, uh, you know... The camera turned off. That's cool. Uh-huh. We'll post whatever I can on Facebook anyway, but uh, I'm going to keep all this audio, but continue. Yeah, he, uh, but no, point is Trump's a dirtbag. Trump has so many scandals. No one can keep track of it. Um, and Obama didn't have that, you know. Um, you know, Clinton had a lot of that, of course. Um, you know, Bush had a little bit of that, although, I mean, him as a person didn't really do anything bad. Him Bush? as a politician, 
Oh, Bush was, uh, I would say Bush was worse than Trump, dude. But also I do want to say, uh, I just want to have you hmm. catch yourself where it's interesting when you take different perspectives because everything that you said about Obama being a cultural icon and what he meant for the country and everything that he represented and whatnot, what I guarantee you right now is that the right thinks exactly that of Trump. Trump. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're thinking what you said about all the scandals of Trump and how Obama didn't have any of that. I'm pretty sure they're going to point to other things that Obama's done to say that that's a scandal. And this is mm -hmm. why it's become really interesting with the way that politics is because every time that I talk to somebody on the right and I disagree with them on the issues, I have to understand that what I disagree with them on, they when I flip the script, they're thinking the same about the way that I feel about certain candidates and certain policy positions as well. Yeah. But there are some... But more oftentimes than not, I'm not entirely sure that a lot of the people on the right necessarily think about policy position because, for example, just a case in point, there are three deep red states uh, that voted to expand Medicaid yesterday in uh, mm -hmm. the the uh, primaries. All right, no, in the in the midterms. Uh, I and so I I think that that's really interesting when you present a left wing policy in front of people who claim that they are conservative. Um, generally speaking, you will see a lot of them vote for that direct ballot measure. Oh, yeah. uh, and I think that that's I think that that's kind of fascinating because it really shows that this kind of does go beyond a label because we have a common ground of like things that we agree on. Let's take away. Let's let's talk about like, you know, um, let's talk about like universal health care or universal basic income or uh, free college tuition. Right. All three of these are something that the state provides. Um, with, let's, and let's take away the label of socialism and let's talk about um, from the perspective of, of a Scandinavian country that this is really just um, a strong welfare state, right? If you take away from the, if you take away the, the questions of where does the money come from, you know, um, I, I, think, I think that that's such an, that's such a question of like you it's not pragmatic it's not practical to think that you can pay for these um, programs without the money coming from somewhere but if we can just think for a second that in terms of improving the the standard of living for everybody that um, a lot of people would agree that no one should be bankrupt because of medical bills um, yeah having a universal basic income you can argue that it leads to entitlement but that's not the that's not the intent of providing such um, a benefit or a social program and having free college tuition we already have k through 12 uh, provided for free through the public school system mm -hmm. um, why not extend that to uh, you know higher education um, you can argue about school needing reform at some point down the road but um, I, I think that these are just issues that um, it it's it becomes hard, and I I can't. Uh, you, there's no way to truly 100% convince um, you know people on the right who already have their minds made up. Just like it's going to be extremely difficult to convince me that um, there that co a free college tuition or free universal or like universal health care is not a good idea. You you're going to have a really tough time convincing me that it's not a good idea when I think 
um, the idea of being able to save Americans from uh, going bankrupt or saving Americans from dying because of the lack of health care that they have. Or uh, I think those are uh, things that you need to really consider um, that you're going to have a hard time really convincing me that they're not um, good policies to implement. It's just my take. Yeah, but you're educated. Yeah, but I'm not. And, <laughs> you're and smarter I, than. No, but I also of. I also don't want to play that of like I'm smarter than people on the right. No, I mean, not yeah. smarter, but you do more of your research because I think. Yeah, a lot of people on the right, again, if it's liberal, they don't like it. Like Obamacare, the Obamacare that actually, you know, made it past Congress was more of Romney care. It was mostly his health care plan in it's Massachusetts. Actually, it, what's what's interesting to me, sorry, I just want to say, is that it is actually, I think it the idea of a mandated health care system was a right wing uh, was a right wing idea that stemmed uh, back in the 1990s, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, the EPA yeah. was made by a Republican. Yeah, yeah, which is fascinating where the EPA is now and how Obamacare is now being fought by every Republican. And then they're saying that they're going to still somehow cover pre-existing conditions, which to me, <laughs> like, uh, you, you're, you take away Obamacare, you're taking away one of the, you know, one of those um, conditions, yeah. which is to cover the pre-existing conditions. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Obamacare was ultimately a band-aid but it's a band-aid america needed from you know getting an affection yeah we needed it to prevent to prevent that but yeah that that's that's something i feel like a lot of uh people on the left need to take into account is that people on the right hate things on the left it doesn't matter what it is if you say it's from the left they will hate it you but, know but rain sorry i just want to ta- i do want to say flip the script there's a lot of there's a lot of shit that uh people on the left that uh, that we hate from the right. Oh yeah. So yeah. So I don't I don't like doing these things where we talk about if the right sees that it's from the left they'll hate it because we do the same thing. Yeah, I think a lot of that was funny during the Trump election because when I when I said scandals earlier I meant more personal scandals like drama, uh-huh. not necessarily bad political decisions because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. there's a lot of stuff. Trump said that, yeah, it was bad. You know, it's, you know, classic misogyny and all that. Um, and he shouldn't have said those things. And, I mean, it is indicative of his, you know, general character, which, you know, can be a problem. Although, ultimately, he's still a politician. His policies and what how he's going to be as a president is what matters. And I think people were freaking out more than they needed to, especially considering that, you know, Hillary Clinton is still married to Bill Clinton, you know, Bill, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Clinton, you know, who, uh, (laughs) did you just, sorry, I just totally caught that. Did you just throw his entire statement in between Bill and Clinton? I'm just saying (laughs) he used his political power to, uh, coerce, you know, a lot of women into doing things, you know, they didn't exactly want to do, you know, she's basic. she's married to, you know, a rapist, like a certified one. And, you know, Bill Clinton, when you know, is the president of the United States. You, I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, if someone says it's consenting, if you're an intern and the president of the United States is asking for something from you, 
that's that's a power imbalance. That's not something that is, you know, a, especially on the job, that's a, a breeding ground for, you know, proper consent. I think not to mention Hillary Clinton, you know, gave all of Bill Clinton's and other people's accusers no credibility. I think people claimed her as some of this like a feminist icon for having a woman president when I think it's it's kind of uh I don't know. I, I think it's stupid that what would have been her first woman president, you know, was the first lady mm-hmm. originally. Like what what does that say about America that, you know, you have to be, you know, still riding, you know, your husband's coattails and his legacy. And, you know, he has to get his turn first and then you can, then you can be president, you know? Right. Not to mention, yeah, she honestly, yeah, hardly, hardly a feminist. And I think, yeah, I wouldn't want some, you know, old white woman who's first lady first being our first woman president. I think it should be someone who, you know, one is younger, one doesn't, you know, isn't married to a rapist. And two, you know, is a president of her own, you know, is independent of that, you know, it, yeah, she can have, you know, a a husband and stuff, but she's not, you know, riding his coattails, you know, like they say behind every great man is is a greater woman type thing. Mm -hmm. You know, why can't we have just a great woman as as a president, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to have a woman president. So I think, yeah, a lot of people on the left hold, the right to a different standard you know they don't necessarily see through their hypocrisy that they critique the right on things the left themselves don't do but but it goes both ways it goes both it ways does. man i'll tell you this is and i uh, i i'm starting to be vocal about this because i realize that this is uh helping me understand the way that i behave why i behave the way that i do and i mentioned this earlier but um uh, when it's all said and done, I, I honestly view politics the way exactly the way that I view sports when I watch uh, or when I consume political content, when I uh, consume sports related content. It's all it's all just for entertainment because the <laughs> it's it's just it's just kind of fun to watch and engage in because we think that we can determine a person's character or personality based on their political views when oftentimes we're completely off the mark when we try to judge a person based on who they support or who they think is the correct candidate. Um, Of course, we can tell a little bit, but we don't, uh, not every Trump supporter is a racist, not every Trump supporter is a misogynist or a bigot. Um, It just is because we characterize them that way because the person, the jockey that they're rooting for is happens to be that way so i think that that's why that's where the confusion um you know is rooted in it's that if you root if you like this person then you must like everything that that person stands for and you must stand for everything that that person stands for otherwise you would have voted for hillary or you would have voted for bernie or whatever it's just that that person happened to have something that they wanted like trump had something that they were excited to vote for or he was going to implement something that they were excited to vote for. So I don't really like criticizing uh, many people on the right. Um, I just I will criticize the politician's policy substance whenever um, whenever I get the opportunity to because that's where you really have the debate and really have the argument. It's on the policy substance. It's not the person. It's not the politician's personality or characteristics unless it's a severely flawed one that uh, like I can understand 
um, personality, like, you know, if you were to question Kavanaugh's ability to, uh, you know. Chug beer. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I like Continue. beer. Do you like beer? I like, I like beer. <laughs> Do you like beer? Man, this I yearbook's like got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, Kavanaugh's just, if, if you were to take his personality into account, that much I can understand. But even, even the whole allegation thing, like the sexual assault thing, I, you know, I think we, let's look past that for a second. My, my real concerns, and like, of course, the sexual allegation, like Blasey Ford, I tend to believe that she was telling the truth, but it's not like going to be the priority um, that I have because that's not where you can, uh, that's not an issue where you can really attack um, the Republicans and say that this is why he shouldn't be the Supreme Court justice nominee because they've already made up their mind that he's innocent. And in fact, they've been all saying, pray for Kavanaugh. Okay. But let's move, let's push that to the side for a second. One thing that I do like pointing out is that I believe that Kavanaugh is not a a true conservative. Um, Because, and I bring up this one point and this one point uh, solely just to point out that um, he is completely in favor of the NSA, uh, like warrantless NSA spying, which, by the way, violates the Fourth Amendment. Mm-hmm. If you are a true conservative, you wouldn't go for that. Um, that alone, I think, already kind of kind of goes against one of the, like, if, if you really were a true constitutionalist, you would understand that, that there's something significantly wrong about that. And then there are a couple of other things where he said that um, the Consumer Financial Protection Agency or Bureau... Um, he was not he believed that that was unconstitutional when in fact it just helps defraud millions of Americans of billions of dollars if they were you know lured into a scam the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau would give back money to the Americans that were defrauded as a completely fair and that's like the best thing that Elizabeth, that Elizabeth Warren's probably done <laughs> create that um, so I, I just I think and, and like, you know, we can disagree on Obamacare. He thinks that Obamacare is unconstitutional. And I would understand why Republicans would think that it's unconstitutional, though I disagree with them. But it is on these issues that I think this is where you need to really start fighting um, your your like the other parties as candidates. And I want them to fight the Democratic candidates' uh, policy position and ideas. Like, I think it's completely right for them to call out Ocasio-Cortez for not being able to answer the question about um, about foreign policy, though I don't think she's necessarily required to. Um, the fact that she tried to fake that she understood the issue is already a ding, and that's, you know, mm-hmm. entirely on her. They can go ahead and completely, you know, attack her on that. Um, because that is policy, that is policy substance. Um, but to go beyond that, I think is a little bit, you know, a little bit far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I even remember back in 2016 when Gary Johnson was running again. You need some, <laughs> you need some slip up what about the conflict. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I and, still, I, I mean, you know, I don't blame him. I still don't really know what Aleppo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was an honest mistake because they, uh, you know, didn't provide enough context but that alone crippled his campaign not that he was gonna not that he stood a chance anyway 
Right. But they tore him apart over that. Um, you know, even though I don't think Trump knows what it is, I don't think Hillary Clinton, you know, knows. It's a exactly city in Syria. To, oh, yeah, yeah. But I don't think she, you know, I'm sure she knows what it is, but. She'll, she'll pretend like she knows what it is. She'll pretend like she knows. She'd think her. My point is, I don't think she'd know how to handle it correctly. It's no, it's, it's a very, foreign affairs I are Trump always Trump would, but <laughs> foreign affairs is always tricky. Like it's, and I don't even know that I would trust Bernie with foreign affairs. To be honest with you, it it takes something. It's, um, I'm not a complete isolationist like Rand Paul is, but I like the way that he. He takes foreign policy into account. Like, I do agree that we need to pull the troops out of wherever the hell we are. Just one of the few Republicans that I agree with on some of the issues. I agree Um, with Ron Paul. I think Rand Paul is a lot of differences from his father that I don't agree with. But mm -hmm. I like Ron Paul better. But, yeah, there there are a few, you know, very clear-minded Republicans that are trying to bring attention to issues they've been fighting for for a while that the rest of the Republican Party doesn't care about. They just kind of go along with what the right is pying for, you know, what what gets them emotionally motivated. Yeah. Because, I I mean, like, I like that you understood and researched what Kavanaugh's opinions were because a lot of people on the right and the left didn't care about his opinions as what he was as a person. That was all, what all the, the conflict was about. You know, um, and people on the right wanted him because he was conservative because they're hoping he'd uh, overturn Roe versus Wade. Was that the abortion one? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't matter, like, what he did. It didn't, like, they, I mean, that case definitely was indicative of a lot of the, you know, positions and feelings of America in general, how a lot of people on the right don't, tend to believe women when they come out with these accusations, how they're concerned with the reputation of a man, even though to have the country Kavanaugh's reputation was undamaged, you know. Um, and this is, oh my God, this is another thing I want to talk about. This is aside from politics in general. Um, I do want to end this podcast soon because it's almost one and I am about to knock the F out. But um, one thing I do want to mention is that um, it seems like there's a lack of empathy from a lot of people on the right to be able to understand, um, you know, what, it, and I'm sure that there are some people on the right who have been, you know, sexually assaulted or se- uh, who are victims of sexual assault, where um, it is difficult to come out, it is difficult to remember things because you're in such an you're you're going through a moment that you don't want to remember and that you don't you want to put away and on top of that you blame yourself for everything that happened it's just that that this is it's the victim mentality that happens over and over again and it's so cyclical and to expect to have the expectations of the that person remembering specific details uh, to me is incredibly like it's it's incredibly cold because mm. um there, there seems to be this lack of like I, you know, whatever the psychology of that person is, they don't seem to be able to take it into account. Um, and this is why I understand people not believing in Blasey Ford's uh, uh, testimony. It's because th- they're looking just at the raw 
data. You know, they're looking at the logic of it. It's just this logically doesn't play out based on what she said. First, she said there were two people. Now she said there were four or something like that. She can't remember the name of the street that she attended or the time or the day that this party had happened. Yet she remembered that it was Brett Kavanaugh. I'm like, clearly, <laughs> clearly there's something here that you're missing. And that is um, you want to forget that event entirely and to have to hide away from it for 36 years and then still bring it up to a therapist six, you know, in 2012 and say that this has been affecting you and the way that you care yourself. And then she just so happens to bring it up during the time that he's, you know, uh, being considered for a Supreme Court justice position. I think it's really important to understand that what is the intent of the person? And if you still truly believe that it is politically charged, uh, it's 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 kind of upsetting in a way because um, there's a lot more, I think, that goes into it other than this is just something that will get me famous or whatever because very rarely, I mean, there are some women out there that have ill intent, but Blasey Ford never really struck me as somebody that was, uh, that was ill-willed. Yeah, I don't think anyone's trying to get famous for being raped by a judge. Yeah, no, 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 no. And it, it, people would try to do that with athletes, not a not a judge. At least athletes are like built. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of that kind of boils down to a lot of that this side versus that side. I mean, I do think a lot of, you know, like the calendar, a lot of the other accounts did support. The further the case went on, the the more Ford's case, you know, even though. Kavanaugh was fighting harder against it. The more he did, the more he kind of supported Ford's case unintentionally, the more it kind of whittled away his character as a person and as a judge and made Ford seem more believable. But, yeah, I mean, Peter I mean, Peter Parker, you know, uh, watched his uncle die, and he was able to remember, you know, the face and track down the guy that killed his uncle, you know, even if he doesn't remember the, the street his uncle died on or anything like that, those details, he was still able to remember that. People remember the faces from that, you know, caused them trauma. That doesn't mean they have to remember every single other detail. But right. I think I think the timing of it, you know, felt weird to some people. But for Ford's case, you know, she was watching someone who had caused her trauma about to be appointed, you know, into the Supreme Court. And for her, in her mind, that was something that America should be aware of. But I do think from the Republican standpoint, you could understand how it would seem suspicious from a Democratic standpoint. You could see, oh, this is our way to get at him. I, th- I mean, I think ultimately the whole thing was ridiculous because there was a number of judges that would have had the same policies Kavanaugh did without, you know, having accusations against them. Without like, that baggage. Without that yeah. baggage. Yeah. And at that point, at that point when they decided to choose him anyway, it felt more like a jab, like a petty jab at women and a jab at Democrats. Like, hey, we still got him in. Even but do you understand could've... what the underlying reason for him being not, uh, for them pushing him so hard was? It had something to do with that he believes that Trump can, uh, it, I think it had it, it's it's a it's for a corrupt reason where he can essentially pardon himself. I think mm-hmm. he believes that Trump can pardon himself or something to that nature. Um, and obviously, like you know, anybody that's on the right that happens to get this far into the podcast um, would not agree that that's the reason. Um, but to me, it's just 
you there's no reason you have to be so you know dedicated to this one man when you have 24 other people that you could have thrown a dart on that list as they mentioned on Fox News or whatever news outlet was reporting on this you could have thrown a dart at any one of the other 24 candidates on that list and they would have and they would have probably held very similar values if not the exact same that um Kavanaugh did. Do you know what happened when Neil Gorsuch got uh, got appointed into uh, the Supreme Court? There was no resistance because there were no there was no baggage yeah. for him to carry. I he mean, was yeah. yeah. Pe- people weren't excited about having a conservative judge, but yeah, it's not like people were, were throwing false accusations at him or anything. So you, yeah. you can't you can't make that same argument against you know Kavanaugh that you know it's it's, it's fake. I mean, I get I get why. Why Republicans believe that, and the issue is that these accusations have become a non-bipartisan issue. I mean, there have been several Democrats that have been accused of sexual misconduct, and they've stepped down. And there have been Republican candidates accused of pedophilia, and they still continued running, and people still voted for them because, I mean, well, I, in the Kavanaugh case, well, I think in Trump's mind, he wanted someone who would pardon him. I think a lot of Americans on the right just wanted someone who'd overturn abortion even though anyone could have done it. And I think that just you know shows that, yeah, a lot of people on the right don't give a shit about women, honestly, or you know the left. But I think the, in, in a way, whether or not the Democrats try to, just by them <laughs> caring about you know uh, sexual assault victims, it's made that issue non-bipartisan. It's made it seem like it's a left thing to care about that, to, uh, you know, give a voice to uh, these women who have endured these traumas. And in a way, it's caused a lot of people on the right to lose, to not give enough credibility to those people. And in the same way that Al Gore's movie about climate change made what used to be a bipartisan issue that a lot of people on the right, you know, uh, fought for, you know, just as hard, maybe harder. It made it a liberal issue when you had someone as politically charged as Al Gore pying for it. And that made people on the right not care. That made it seem like a liberal conspiracy um, because someone on the left was fighting for it. And in, in a way, yeah, when you have, you know, someone who's honestly just seeking, you know, justice for that, just letting the American public know this person isn't corrupt, when you have that coming from the left or the least left behind it, that makes the right not trust it. Right. Raynan, I think I want to go to bed. <laughs> I think I'm going to end it here. Yeah. But uh, thank you. What time is it? What are we looking at? It's late. Yeah, it's like 106. It's crazy. Important, yeah. important part, kids, is just listen to uh, talk to people that don't believe in what you believe. That's how... That's that, how progress is made, that's or that's how friendships made. are burned. Yeah. Well, that's all. I mean, yeah. And then maybe yeah. that uh, leads to progress in your life. I don't really know yeah. if that's really the message that you should take no, away not, from this podcast. Even if you don't respect them, just to prevent a civil war. For yeah. that alone. Basically. We don't need another one of those, please. No, no. Please. All right. We just want to stay inside and play Fortnite and dab on haters and Nene. <laughs> Doubt on haters and dab, Nene? Yep. <laughs> Uh, all right, man. It's 2018. All right, Salami Studios, fellas, 106 a.m., November 8th. Peace.